Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This episode of Mission Log is brought to you by you. Your questions, your input, and would you like to add your support? Find out how and what you get for doing so at patreon.com slash Mission Log. Mission Log Supplemental. Number 31. John and Ken's Rocking New Year's Question and Answer Palooza. Welcome into Supplemental 31 of Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Should we do the Vegas thing? Each week on Mission Log, we take a part in an episode of Star Trek, looking for the messages, morals, and meanings, and figuring out whether it stands the test of time. And then you would say... But we're not doing it this week. No, we're not doing that today. Because no. uh, no. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. What, what, Hanukkah. Which, which day of Hanukkah is it? I can't... You know, there are like... They're like seven days of Hanukkah or nine days of Hanukkah. That's somewhere between seven and nine. I can't remember. (laughs) There's a lot. Yeah, there are. Whichever one it is, though, uh, happy that to you, whichever holiday you celebrate. And if you celebrate no holidays, well, don't worry. Just be happy. Just just have a great day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And enjoy what we're bringing you today. We're bringing you, as I said at the top of the show, uh, you. So funny thing. Usually when we put together a supplemental show, we'll go through Facebook and Twitter and our email and our voicemail, and we try to pull kind of a representative sample of what people are talking to us about. And it's great because we hear from people from all walks of life with all kinds of opinions, and then we kind of cobble that into a show. Well, I did something a little bit different this time. So when you and I were realizing, well, you know, the holidays are here Mm -hmm. and we both are going to be occupied with friends and family and all this other stuff, we we should probably do uh, a holiday show in the middle and then get back to the regular show. So that's what we're doing. And I said, hey, I'll just pop onto Twitter and Facebook and say, um, send us your questions. And then you did (laughs) because we got a lot And this show is pretty much entirely from that, um, because, man, our our listeners really like to respond. And I thought that was super cool. So I pulled a handful of the the meaty and uh, some of the less meaty, but just sort of personal questions that I thought were interesting, too. So we're going to cover the gamut here. And why don't we get started out with, I think, probably the most serious of all of these. Most recently, Mission Log episode of iBorg came out, or iBorg, however you want to pronounce that. And um, and it was kind of a weird thing, because if you look at our Twitter feed, I would say 99% of the replies on Twitter said, great episode, way to go, guys. Well, thank you for that. Thank you. That That is really kind of you. And then you look at Facebook and then you look at the comments on our website, missionlogpodcast.com, and they're a bit more nuanced than that, <laughs> you might say. 
I, I tend to think of it this way. I love the feedback. I love engaging with people. I love hearing what you have to say. But I also feel like you and I can we get to say our piece on the show. Mm-hmm. So that that hour or so that we talk, we, we do it and then we're kind of done. So we get it out into the world and then you kind of pick it apart and do whatever you want to with it. So I don't feel like we always have to jump in and say, no, 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 no. Here, here's what I meant. I'm going to argue that point. Well, we've made our point. So now it's time for you to talk. Well, I want to read one comment here. Um, this is from Lyle, and I'm going to mess up your last name, but it would be this Baudouin. Uh, he says, Picard has the right of it in Act 1. Infect it with a virus, send it home, and have it take out as many other Borg as possible. Crusher's humanitarian concerns are misplaced here. The act of saving this Borg should be given a name in the yet-to-be-written history of books of the future, Crusher's Folly. Now, Lyle's comment is not out of step with a number of comments that we got on Facebook and in our email and on our website. Um, I I don't know how much of it you had a chance to look at, but, um, man, there were a lot of people who said, you know, Picard probably did the wrong thing, (laughs) that they agreed that that he should have done anything he could to send back an infected Borg to wipe out the Borg. And I think when you and I sat down and watched this episode and then decided to talk about it, we just kind of said, oh, this is the episode where they come to the realization that genocide is bad. Right. (laughs) Therefore, it is bad. And therefore, we will move on from there. (laughs) Uh, There are a lot of people who who didn't feel the same way And, and making interesting arguments saying, well, the Borg aren't. The Borg aren't a species and they're not individuals. They're like a virus and you got to kill the virus. Right. And genocide may not be acceptable in all, you know, most cases. But there's this one time and maybe this is that one time. And I find myself vacillating, not because I think that you or I said the wrong thing in our episode, but I find myself vacillating because... I tend to go back and forth between that idea that we raise all the time, which is Star Trek is metaphor. Right. It's fiction. Right. But then how much of what happens in the show do we treat as, quote unquote, real world because it's happening in the world of the show? You know, it, it's I, I'm willing to accept the challenge about the position based on that. Well, in the reality of what's happening on Star Trek, the reality is they're in danger. The reality is the Borg act like this. And Picard knows better than anybody what they're capable of and what they're going to do. But then I also come down to the side to say Star Trek is fiction. It's metaphor. What are we actually trying to learn from the episode? Well, make it make it Germany in World War Two or make it Japan yep, in this, World War Two. I, I mean, that's the thing. Yep. You don't even have to go to anything that's going on in the world today. I mean, the Nazis were a giant killing machine. But, you know, take individuals yeah. out and, oh, look, it's Rolf. Oh, look, it's Hans. Oh, look, it's yeah. all these people yeah. who, you know, did they do something absolutely reprehensible? No question. In fact, I would say the Nazis were worse than the Borg because the Borg are, you know, literally brainwashed. Like, there are nanocytes, you know, coursing through their blood, you know, changing their brain chemistry, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, honestly, the Borg, it seems to me, are more deserving of of whatever uh, charity or a second chance or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah. it, it, so uh, yes, in the even in the science fiction realm, though, of Star Trek, Picard was lost to the Borg and he was brought back out. And that would indicate that anybody who's been lost to the Borg can be brought back out. And if that's the case, 
you're no kind of human if you're going to say, yeah, but we should just go ahead and kill all however many million of them there are, because now they're doing something that is reprehensible. Look, if, if one's bearing down on you, sure, shoot, that's self-defense. There's a very different thing, it seems to me, between, you know, uh, battling in the heat of the moment or in the heat of the battle and, you know, very coldly and calculatedly deciding, no, the, the only good Borg is a dead Borg, and so let's make sure they're all dead. I mean, otherwise, otherwise we've lost our humanity at that point. We are, as Picard said, uh, no better than the enemy we're trying to defeat. That's a paraphrase. I know that's not the exact line, but that's basically what he said. But I mean, to me, that that is the central message of that episode is you, you know, how, you no longer have a right to your humanity if you behave inhumanely, you know. Right. Um, so, so that's the challenge of the episode is to say, how bad can things possibly get before you start to compromise the thing that you say you value? Yeah. And that that thing being humanity and, and humanity is the central sort of question, sort of the, the, the central raison d'etre of Star Trek. That That is what this is all sort of building up to say is who are we as human beings? So, um, yeah, I, I'm glad that you brought that up about how we look at enemies, particularly historically. You can look at World War Two. You can look at painting enemies with a broad brush. And that's very easy to do. But what happens then when you're faced with individuals and realizing that there is a person on the other end of it? Now, granted, the Borg are different. Yeah. And this is science fiction. We get to sort of give them whatever attributes we want. Um, And you can say we talked about this before. You know, there's something about the Borg. Part of what makes them scary is they're not actually malicious. They're not actually trying to kill they're simply following their programming, following their evolutionary directive, mm-hmm. where they've gotten so far, which is to say, oh, here's what we do. We, we assimilate. And, and the people we assimilate are better for it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I think I said when we first met the Borg that they didn't really seem to be as much like a faceless enemy as they did a bureaucracy run amok. Right. I mean, they, right. Their, their rules, their rules and their organization, and you will be part of the rule and organization whether you want to be or not. Can we go to fun yeah. stuff now? Because yeah. we did this last week. <laughs> I, I think this is a, a complicated, complex episode. I appreciate that people take up a counter position to what we talk about. But I also feel like we kind of we we did what we could do to get the message out <laughs> in our episode. And now we leave it to the world to sort of debate it even more. But, but this next question is kind of a follow up. If you want to read that one, uh, Alan wrote in to ask uh, Alan Perry wrote in to ask, why is it that some of the best episodes lead to the worst follow up episodes? I Borg led to what I Borg leads to something. We're going to have to eliminate what? that part of the question. Uh, yesterday's <laughs> enterprise led to uh, the episodes with Sila. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They came up with a really good idea there. And I'm only kidding about not knowing that there's a descent, but it's been a long time since I've watched it. Descent is the follow on to Iborg. Yeah. I remember sort of being interested in that idea. I can't remember everything about the episode, though, so I can't speak to whether that was bad or not. Um, the Romulans just seem like cardboard villains. And like both in universe and out, they seem like cardboard villains. Like <laughs> right. it, they're set up to look scary. Uh, so far in, in next gen, anyway, they've done nothing. They got a lot of history behind them, but so far in next gen, they've they've 
Well, John does a great imitation of, of the Romulans. Like, uh, <laughs> we're going to kill you uh, someday, maybe, but right now we're going to take Next off. Next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, we'll, we're back, and we'll be back some more, and we'll remind you that we're back. And so, uh, yeah. If, if a Romulan does anything scary on Next Gen, wake me. Yeah, right. Right. I, I have a production answer, I think. I, I've been kind of kicking this around. I think Alan was intending this to be a rhetorical question, but I think there is a production answer for his question. And, and that's to say that... When a writer comes in with a fresh idea, the only thing driving it is the idea. If, if the enemies are new, if the conundrum is new, if the moral points that they're trying to explore are explored in a new way, then really that's all they have to do is tell that story. When you get to the point of building sequels, well, this worked in this other episode, so let's try to do it again then you're not simply dedicated to the story. Your obligation isn't simply to the story. It's to something else. It's trying to either outdo yourself or, at least in your head, build up this idea, if you're the producer, if you're the writer, saying, well, well, people are going to be watching for these attributes, so we have to squeeze in these things. It's the problem with sequels. They have to be the same but different. Mm -hmm. And when you're writing a story with that in mind, I think inevitably it's going to color the way you write that story sometimes they work great but a lot of times they don't you know it, it's just sort of an unfortunate reality of I, I think the the ugly truth of how tv is made <laughs> sometimes all right so let's move on uh mark Mark Queso says uh, to us, at what age roughly did you realize Star Trek was in your blood slash what were your earliest Trek memories? I think I was 41. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Liar. No, it was 42, right? Because that's when John, uh, John, that's when Rod started talking to us. Mm -hmm. My earliest Trek memory, I know I had toys when I was like five or six, but it was sort of like the cartoon was back on. Mm -hmm. So they were selling toys and then my grandparents didn't really know what to get me. So they got me like cool Star Trek stuff mm -hmm. because there was no Star Wars yet. Um, the first time I remember really paying attention to Star Trek was seeing uh, Wrath of Khan on opening night. And I think I've told this story before, so I'm going to cut. I'm going to cut it really short. Basically, being aware that there was a lot of stuff going on that I didn't quite know, and so I really came to know all of those characters through the movies. And then I would catch them on TV occasionally, but I would watch it like you know if it happened to be there. Um, where I got really excited was when Next Gen started because they were starting from the beginning. Because you know, Channel 17 in Nashville wasn't showing all of the episodes of Star Trek in a row for me to necessarily know that. Mm -hmm. Plus, little did I realize there was basically no such thing as continuity right, at the time. Right. So, I mean, I would come in and not know what was going on. Didn't really realize that half the time Bones also didn't realize what was going on. I forgot what <laughs> happened last week. You know, everybody forgot what happened last week. I assumed I was missing a lot. But I was very excited when Next Gen started because nobody had ever seen that captain before. Nobody had ever seen that ship before. We were all starting from someplace uh, that nobody had ever been before. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I was trying to catch up at that point. I felt like, hey, this, this gets to be my Star Trek. And, you know, uh, subsequently it became my Star Trek. Um, and that was kind of it for me, I think. What about you? Yeah, similar thing. I, I just I know that around the age of four or five or around there, when you start to become aware of 
sort of the pop culture around you. Star Trek was a sort of around. It was a sort of there. So I had the toys and I remember having the color forums. Boy, those were cool looking toy. And I had the, um, <laughs> I had the, the, you know, power, what was it? Power records. The, the little, you got a 45 and then it came with a comic book that you kind of follow along with the story on the record. Just a lot of cool toys at the time. I had um, the Bible ones of those. Sadly, I didn't have the Star Trek. I had, I had oh, the Bible. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I just remember it being around and, and thinking that it was a cool show. And, and what I remember is not so much the specific, but I think back and go, you know, it was neat to be alive at a time that Star Trek just meant one thing. It meant Kirk, Spock and McCoy on the Enterprise and the Enterprise only looked one way. You know, it looked the way it looked in the TV series, which was replicated for the animated series. And that was it. You didn't have movies where the look changed. You didn't have another series where then you had to learn new characters. Like, there was this time in my life where if you said Star Trek, yeah, that just meant a very narrow, specific thing. And then all of that changed starting in 1979, which is also very cool. But if you were born after that point, you came into a world where Star Trek is a much, much bigger tent, um, which is nice in its own way. But, um, yeah, I just I remember those days thinking, yeah, Star Trek means these guys and, you know, gold, red and blue uniforms running around shooting phasers. So released pod wrote in to ask uh, which episode do you expect or were you warned that it would be awful, but ended up being pleasantly surprised? I think you and I have the same answer for that. Spock's brain. Yeah. And it's not because Spock's Brain is a good episode. It is still not a good episode. And it is goofy and it is maligned for all the right reasons. But there's actually something there to talk about. Yeah. Which was neat. You know. Right. Yeah. We, um, we actually I would I would also say the trouble with tribbles. We mm-hmm. so when we first recorded, when we were first trying out the show before anybody knew we were going to do a show, we recorded two episodes, um, a mock time and the trouble with tribbles and the reason we did a mock time was because we thought that's going to be a really heady episode and then mm-hmm. the reason we did trouble with tribbles was we both remembered it as being a fairly stupid episode <laughs> that we thought was going to be hard to get a lot out of and there was a tremendous amount there but it's also a much loved episode so yeah i would say yeah spock's brain would still have to be the one where we just we thought you know there's going to be nothing and there actually ended up being quite a bit yeah i, I would also supplement that by saying that getting into next gen i think there's a number of episodes that we got emails from people saying like oh this one's going to be terrible and most of the time you're right um but i i think that a lot of people also have this idea that oh well wesley is terrible and thank god they got rid of him because he was just always saving the ship and, and i think there was way more to that character than that gives him credit for so generally speaking, I think some the Wesley storylines, there are some clunkers, but there's more good there than than failures in those storylines. Oh, I'm not 100% certain I agree with that, but that's okay. 
Oh, for Wesley? No, I, I think overall, I mean, they they bring him back and they make him cooler. Yeah. And they kind of justify him being around. But I, I think I, you're forgetting a lot of the bad that was there when he was there week to week, though. Okay. I mean, you're, maybe, you're, you're, saying, you're saying, you know, there's more good than bad in the end. And I disagree. I think when he okay. comes back, he comes back as a strong, stronger character. And yeah, I think the yeah. writers are treating him like a young adult as opposed to like a teenager. Because yeah. for some reason, when you say we're going to write for a kid... Uh, the writers seem to freeze up or or yeah. they have a preconceived idea of what kids are like. And so they don't, you know, with the exception maybe of Jeremy Astor, they don't write a lot of kids well, it seems, on Star Trek. No, it's true. It's true. And, and yeah. Wes was one of those. And and I think a lot of times Wes was just uh, just bad. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, which is not, it's no offense against, it's not even an offense against the character and certainly no offense against Will Wheaton. Um, it's just... Um, yeah, I, I I think it might be going a little far to say that, you know, the good ended up outweighing the bad on that. Maybe 50-50, maybe. Well, we'll go back and rewatch all of those. <laughs> right. <laughs> After Kolchak and Moonlighting and The Love Boat and right. all the other podcasts that we pretend we're going to do. Hey, speaking of uh, Spock's brain. Yeah. I thought about asking you if we should get rid of this question. Yeah, I thought I wanna, about that, too. I, I want to pose it and then I want to answer it. Can I do that? Okay. Is that okay? Do or it. do you want to pose it? No, no, go, go ahead. You, you pose it, you answer it. The reason I said uh, speaking of Spock's brain is because this came from uh, Spock's brain on Twitter. Brian. Uh, uh, sorry? Oh, Spock's, Spock's Brian. Brian. Uh, see, I shouldn't mm-hmm. be allowed to read. Maybe you should read the question. Uh, what do we think Gene would say about Trump? I know it's a hot potato, but inquiring minds want to know. Um, I have been fascinated to see the number of people that have turned up at uh, the president-elect's office since he became president-elect. It is hard for me to imagine that Al Gore actually had a lot of nice things to say to Mm. Donald Trump, and yet he turned up. Uh, Tim Cook, uh, CEO of Apple, uh, uh, when when Donald Trump was on the campaign trail, he said a lot of incendiary stuff about Apple. Uh, Tim Cook, on the other hand, a fairly liberal guy. It's hard for me to imagine that uh, Tim Cook is calling Donald Trump to say, do you want to go get a beer? Um, And yet when the president elect calls, I mean, unless you're unless he's calling for a performance at his inauguration, when the president elect calls, uh, people in power or people in prominence will show up. And generally speaking, I think they would be nice. Now, the other thing is, John and I didn't know Gene. It's hard for me to imagine based on the stuff that Gene Roddenberry wrote in Star Trek, it's hard for me to imagine that the two of them are going to go out and see a movie. It's hard for me to imagine the two of them are going to go out and have a pleasant dinner, just, you know, just pals palling around. Gene Roddenberry was a rich man. Gene Roddenberry was a powerful man. Donald Trump is the president-elect of the United States. I think Gene Roddenberry would comport himself professionally. And I think you'd have to be a good friend to know what he actually thought. Now, it's hard for me to imagine that his thoughts would be, yeah, you know, I think that Trump's got a lot on the ball based on knowing his son and based on knowing Kirk, Spock and McCoy based on what we've seen. It's hard for me to imagine that their politics would align, but I don't think Gene Roddenberry would be, you know, on Rachel Maddow's show every night talking about what a disaster he is, or maybe he would be, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's sadly 20, 25 years gone at this point. Yeah. And we can't ask him, you know, I, I'll say this, just speaking very generically, you know, mm-hmm. um, whatever your feelings are, wherever you fall on the political spectrum, because we have listeners from all over the map and Star Trek has fans from all over the map. Yeah. Look, th- think about it this way. Star Trek premiered in the heat of the Vietnam War, 
the civil rights movement, some horrendous assassinations and social upheaval that was all happening right then and there when this little science fiction show that had something to say about humanity was on the air. Mm -hmm. So what what Gene was trying to do and what I think the message of Star Trek has always been around that is this idea that's very optimistic that says, hey, wh whatever is going on now, we are better and we can be better. Mm -hmm. So these things that are the, the sort of minor political squabbles that we have that may feel really major, we'll get through it. We'll persevere. We'll be better on the other end. So I, I think that's, you know, at least Gene in public was a very optimistic guy. And Gene in public, when he would get up behind a podium and talk to a college crowd, he would say, look, whatever you think is going on now, I'm the guy who thinks that the future is brighter. We have to work for it, but the future is brighter. Yeah. So I, I'll just leave that there. Well done. Thank you. Jenny McQueen. Uh, will you tell us in this podcast, I guess the one we're recording right now, when will you be discussing the TNG movies? Um, After TNG. Yeah. It, easy. Yeah. We've got about a year uh, to wrap up TNG. Uh, season six and seven and then we've got the tng movies and then we'll do deep space nine yeah so early, what's that early part of 2018 then yeah crazy yeah wow uh, scotty bonner wrote to us which of the probably intended messages are least comfortable to you besides not allowing happiness for happiness sake well you can't take away my answer dude <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my answer so i i guess i have no answer uh what about you john you know what um we very often bat around the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few mm -hmm. and we have a listener who i'm in correspondence with a lot and she leaves fantastic comments uh judy mm -hmm. hi judy um and she counters that very often by saying there's sometimes to me that the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few or the one really sounds like the tyranny of the majority. And I think that's really interesting. You know, we celebrate Kirk going back for his friend Spock by saying, well, the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. And we kind of all, you know, it's like a pat on the back and yeah, that's that's great. But to just sort of leave that out there as a generic message that the needs of the many will always outweigh the needs of the few or the one may, may need a little more analysis or nuance than just that. I think I would want to specify what needs are. It's very hard to parse that. But when you say the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few is the tyranny of the many, I'm not sure. Are you actually talking about needs at that point? Are you talking about desire or are you talking about will? Because that's, I mean, hmm. those are those are two hmm. different things, I would think. I mean, needs, I think of as food, clothing, and shelter. Yeah, the the yeah. needs of the many out, do outweigh the needs of the few. If you've got one guy who's got all the food and 100 people who don't, I'd say the 100 people should have some of the food, even if that one guy <laughs> thinks he needs it all. Um, if you're talking, on the other hand, about uh, different types of prejudice that have existed and continue to exist... And you say, well, most people don't like that. Well, nuts to what most people like. It's not a yeah, question right, of what right. they like. It's a question of, you know, whether it affects them. And, of course, that ends up in a whole uh, different set of arguments, including the number of people who have told me that just because I think that something doesn't affect them, it actually does, even though I yeah. can't really see that. But 
ah, now we're having arguments we've had before. Weren't we going to do fun <laughs> questions, Mr. Champion? I thought we were I going know, to do fun I questions. Know, right? Yeah. Well, here, Scotty, again. Oh. Thank you, Scotty. This I think guy. Scotty took it as a challenge. <laughs> Wait, when I said, hey, send in your questions, yeah. I got a million of them. Right? Yeah. Scotty Bonner has a really good question here. How do you create the computer voice using the show, and who writes that part? Hmm. That is that is a really good question. You know who else has a really good question? Mm-hmm. Who's it's that? A Gary Booker. Uh, why isn't the computer he? Why isn't the computer billed as a co-host? And isn't that just uh, carbon-based chauvinism? <laughs> yes, the computer might argue that actually. No, uh, okay. Yeah. So funny thing. Um, the computer, you're right, is not listed as a co-host. But I, at the top of the show, I mentioned the whole Patreon thing. Um, now, we actually started talking about Patreon, I want to say, gosh, close to a year and a half ago now. We did a soft launch at uh, Star Trek Las Vegas in 2015. Right. And at the time, we said, there are going to be these patches, and these patches are going to be awesome. Uh, Mike Okuda is going to help design the patches, and he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there was a little bit of a sticking point there, because if you know anything about Mike, he's an incredibly, incredibly busy guy. So yes, it took us close to a year to get the patches. Seriously. Right. Uh, Now, uh, we do have them now. And so then we thought, okay, great. We got the patches. So now we're going to start. We're going to start talking about Patreon. And then we had the good fortune of getting a sponsor. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people are paying us to talk about, you know, them. So we're not going to basically say to you, hey, go spend money with those people. And oh, by the way, give us money, too. So, you know, on weeks that we don't have a sponsor, hey, like this one, (laughs) then, um, you know, we might talk about the whole Patreon thing. Now, the reason I bring that up right this second is because if you subscribe at the level that gets you the patch, um, you will see uh, the the three principal characters on this show are are lining at the edge of the patch. Uh, Those three principals being uh, Ray, that's me. Uh, cha- I believe it starts champion. Oh, does it start champion, Ray? Okay, so, so champion, <laughs> does it really? It probably it does. does. It, it, it does, because graphically that works, because Ray is... It the, is for balance. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So so it starts champion. Uh, I don't understand, though, because I thought Ken and Ray were supposed to be on the patch. I'm a little confused now oh, how that both, goes. I, yeah. Both those guys. Yeah, okay, so it starts, uh. it starts champion, then Ray, and then the third character is computer, and that is on the patch. So yeah. the computer is getting props, You know, plus the computer tends to blow her own horn every week. <laughs> so at patreon.com slash mission log, um, you can sign up there. Uh, the patches start at a five and $10 a month uh, support of us. And we greatly appreciate it. Um, as you probably know, this show takes a long time to put together and there is an actual cost in getting it out there to you. So we really appreciate those of you who have signed up. Uh, Barry, thank you so much for supporting us. And there are all <laughs> kinds, not just the patch, but all kinds of uh, little things that will come along with that. And some very big things um, like the 35 millimeter film cells in an exclusive uh, mission log plaque, which is really cool. That is uh, a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Signed digitally by the three of us, by me and you and Rod, not the computer. The computer doesn't sign anything. Um, (laughs) The amount the computer charges for an autograph is obscene. Crazy, crazy. So uh, that's all kind of gearing up. That's that's getting going. It's on much more solid footing now. Thank goodness. Uh, So you can check it out. And uh, yeah, patreon.com slash mission log. Continuing now with the Scotty Bonner show. Man, you're right. This guy, guy like again? this guy like totally just like and, and we actually had a, another uh, question from Scotty that we're eliminating. No offense. Yeah. <laughs> it's not you, it's us. We just need to see other questions. 
because <laughs> should we should we put his name on the patch now? Maybe I we mean, should. I, think, I feel like maybe because <laughs> yeah, the computer won't mind. <clears throat> um, are there moral decisions from TOS that would have been rejected by the next gen crew and vice versa? I think we have the same answer for TOS. Um, what for TOS TNG? There's no way yeah. they would have killed the people in the Apple. There's no, no way. In fact, they may have even let the people in this side of paradise stay. I'm not sure. But the Apple mm. the Apple is definite. There is no way. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe they would have tried to find a way to sort of change the computer or reprogram it so that it got them eventually sort of weaned off of the computer and maybe fending for themselves eventually. Or maybe mm. they would have just shaken their heads and say, it feels wrong to do this, but it would be worse if we left them here. The Apple, by the way, is the one with the feeders of Vol. It's the one with the sort of yeah. albino Elvis impersonators <laughs> who, you know, throw the explosives into Vol and Vol brings the rain and Vol, you know, brings the air and Vol keeps them alive forever. Yeah. And and they don't yeah. procreate, and they don't work, and they're all happy, and uh, and Kirk put a stop to that as soon as he could. <laughs> and I can't yeah, see, right. I can't even if Picard wondered if it was the right thing. I think we would have a lot of hand wringing and brow furrowing, and if they mm -hmm. didn't find a way to sort of raise those people out of that gently, uh, then I think they probably would have flown off and left them. But we probably would have ended on a shot of them like waving goodbye and then happily going back to not doing anything. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's my thought anyway. Right. Yeah. What about the other way around? I think the other, the other way around is a little more challenging. I mean, uh, the one that pops into my head just right away is uh, First Contact, the episode, mm. not the movie. Right. Uh, but First Contact, I, I, I'm going to say that Kirk would probably just cram warp speed and every other technology he could write on those people. Nope. You cannot keep these people in the dark about what's going on and there's life out there and we're here to stay. I think it would be a very different <laughs> outcome if uh, if Kirk had found them. That's interesting. You see, I can't yeah. think of any specific example, but we've said a million times, oh, Kirk would have found a way to blank. Yeah, right, Maybe, right. Talk a computer to death. Yep. Um, yeah. Yep. Or just, you know, uh, with a wink and a nod, he would have found a way to, like, strand the Klingon someplace or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it was, yeah, there are more subtleties, I think, to uh, to Picard's command than there were to yeah. Kirk's. And so yeah. I find it a very hard question to answer the other way, because I think there are just too many cases where Kirk would have done it completely differently. Um, sure. Yeah, and part of that is Kirk's a very different character, and also part of it is it's a very different time in television writing. I don't think yeah. people expected as much nuance or were um, – well, I don't think people were writing as much nuance, let's say, uh, as they do in the mid to late 80s and as TV goes on. All right. Uh, changing topics here. Gary Booker mm -hmm. asks us. What are your top three podcasts? Any topic. Hmm. doesn't have to be Star Trek. Any topic. Okay. Mm -hmm. You want to go first or do I? Uh, go ahead. Um, I like Priority One, which it's is... Star Trek. That is a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, he said it didn't have to be Star Trek, but it is a Star Trek right. podcast. Yes. Uh, they actually do news from around the Star Trek universe. They also do some uh, gaming news, uh, Star Trek Online specifically. It's actually gotten me interested in playing that game, which is weird, because when we met the guys mm -hmm. at Priority One, uh, what, two or three years ago, they kept trying to get me to commit mm -hmm. to trying the game. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> but no. And I think actually, I, I, I do believe I told them to their faces, not going to happen. Um, but now listening to the show, because they're doing some other stuff besides the game thing, they've got me interested in the game. So I'm doing that. Cool. Um, cool. 
I, of course, my regular podcasting thing is I have an Apple News show and a news related to Apple News. And I'm not going to name my podcast as my favorite, but because Apple is a huge thing of mine, there is a daily show called the Daily Observation Podcast. They take some of the biggest Apple news of the day and talk about it. It's usually about 15 minutes long. They usually do two topics, unless it's a particularly heady topic, in which case they'll do the one topic. Um, that one's really good. And then keeping in the tech thing, there's a there's a, another daily show that I like. I don't listen to it every day, um, but I do really like it when I get to listen to it called The Daily Tech News Show by a guy named Tom Merritt, who I happen to have uh, the good fortune of working with several years ago. Really just a tremendous guy, an amazing broadcaster. Uh, in fact, fun story, Mission Log almost didn't happen because of Tom Merritt. Do you remember mm. this? He was starting no, he was starting really. he was starting a podcast and I believe he ended up changing the name of it to the pilot show, I think. Um, oh right. Because yeah. originally yeah. what he was going to do was he was going to do a Star Trek rewatch. And then yeah. he decided, nah, I'm not gonna do that, we're gonna do pilots instead. So he hit with an episode about the cage around the same time that you and I hit with an episode about the cage. Right. But I knew that his show was coming and I actually, you know, researched it and talked to friends of ours in common because if he had started a Star Trek podcast, I probably would have backed away from this. Tom is hmm. Tom is just an amazingly smart, amazingly funny, amazingly talented guy. Uh, he's got several podcasts out there. The Daily Tech News show is the one that I know best, but he's got several shows. Some shows, I want to say he does, does he do Sword and Laser? He might do a gaming show or a fantasy science fiction show called Sword and Laser with uh, Veronica Belmont as well. Just an amazing guy. So anything with Tom Merritt, I would say you should check out. The Daily Tech News show is my number three on there. And I've cool. talked about all of that a lot now. So please, sir, what are your three? Um, yeah, I listen to, uh, I, I listen to a lot of science podcasts. So, uh, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, which I've mentioned on Mission Log before. And I would say that as close runners up to that in the science category, um, would be from the Guardian Science Weekly. Um, I also listen to Skeptoid. Those are just short little 15 minute segments about a single topic. So those all kind of fit in the same category there. Um, Savage Love, not for the kids, not in the least. <laughs> so if you're easily offended, do not listen to that show, but it's pretty great. Dan Savage is a terrific host. Um, I also listen to uh, a good handful of like theme park uh, industry podcasts, uh, season pass and, uh, Mousestalgia are two of my favorites from that. So I, that's in classic mission log fashion, name three and I'll name six. <laughs> I was so say that's you're welcome. Somewhere between five yeah. and eight. I thought, yeah. 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 Somewhere that that's the way we do it. And we do have one last question to wrap up, uh, today's, uh, Q and a, uh, above average Joe wrote to ask us, uh, what do you think the big difference for the next gen is um, between season one and the current season that you're on? Um, so I think there are a lot of differences in, obviously, focus, uh, character-based story. There are some kind of soap opera-ish elements to what's going on. But to me, the big, big difference is that when next gen started, it was sort of TOS by rote. For better or for worse, the team of Gene Roddenberry, Bob Justman, DC Fontana, David Gerald, you put the old, you put the band back together, mm -hmm. right? And the guiding principles seem to be, well, we'll just recreate Star Trek and put that on the air. And, and not only do they create shows that felt very TOS, they created some shows like The Naked Now that were 
just a TOS story. Right. <laughs> you know, so I, I think once they had kind of settled in and figured out who these characters were and what made them tick, then TNG really found its legs. So once you get past once you get past that first season, even though season two is rocky in some places and, and season five, as we see, is rocky and inconsistent in some places. But I, I think they found their focus. I think they found the characters mm-hmm. and it really came into its own. It stopped being a show that was trying to be Star Trek. It became its own Star Trek. And I think that's really nice to feel. You know, there were many times early on where we I, I want to say sort of mid to late season one, definitely in season two, where we said, okay, now it feels like they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think that's the biggest change for me. Yeah, I would say I would say the same thing. I mean, they, they quit trying to... Well, I mean, you never had individual actors trying to indicate, hey, look, we deserve to be called Star Trek, and yet somehow it just sort of settles in. It moved out of Kirk's shadow at some point. It moved out of Spock's shadow at some point. Yeah. Um, and certainly you will have those throwbacks. I mean, you'll have um, like unification. And I think it's is it relics that's coming up where uh, where Scotty where Scotty comes back. I mean, you had right. bones in the very first episode. I mean, so, I mean, obviously they exist in the same universe. Right. But you don't have as many callbacks. Like, what was the one where Riker was like, oh, I was reading about all the ships ever called Enterprise. And apparently there was a captain <laughs> right. named Kirk. And it's like, just shut up. Right. It's called Star Trek. It's in the title. <laughs> I mean, you could honestly argue. I think you could seriously argue the same thing happened with the with the reboot movie starting in 2009. The first one was called Star Trek. And they're doing, you know, sort of imitations occasionally. And they're trying to prove that they deserve to be called Star Trek. And the second one, they're really trying to cement their place in the Star Trek universe. They're bringing back Khan. Yeah. And they're talking about, you know, they're recreating that scene and the third one they were like hey you know what we've got the sets we've had them for a while we've got the uniforms we've had them for a while let's make a movie let's make a good story let's not let's not apologize anymore for making star trek let's just do that i'm Mm -hmm. not saying that tng was ever apologizing necessarily but somewhere along the way star trek the next generation well star trek the next generation to people who watch it we don't usually say star trek the next generation we say next gen because we know it's yeah. in that universe, yeah. but Next Gen is its own show. It exists in that universe, but we're not watching Star Trek at that point. We're watching Next Gen now. And, you know, mm-hmm. who knows what mm-hmm. we'll think about uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Enterprise, <laughs> and whether they will have those kinds of uh, those kind of affectations as well for us. Um, I guess we'll find out yeah. in about a year and a half to 10 or 15 more years. Yeah. Join us, won't you? <laughs> So the place to find us, of course, is missionlogpodcast.com. And thank you to everybody who contributed, who wrote in their questions. It it all just kind of happened in a a flurry in a very short period of time. So thank you for that. Um, You can reach out to us at Mission Log Pod on Facebook and Twitter and Skype. You can call us. What's the number, Ken? 323-522-5641. That number again, 323-522-5641. Is that right, by the way? Because I'm not looking at it. It is. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. We'd yeah, love to hear good. your voice, by the way. So, because uh, so, I say that and I mean it, we would love to hear your voice. Yeah. And then uh, there are other things, too, right? There's the, the web page, the Twitter, the Facebook. You already said all that. Yeah, I got all that. Missionlogpodcast.com. Yeah. Kind of the, that, that, that's the hub to find all of this. It is indeed. And um, it, it, I think we said it at the beginning of the show, but just in case, or in case you missed it, in case you joined us late. <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast. How could you? Uh, happy New Year. 
and thank you very much for, for, for being with us for the past four and change. And, uh, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.